drop. Anybody out there who has a Netflix subscription or pays attention to any sort of network television has seen in, in recent years the reemergence of old properties coming back. Family Guy, Veronica Mars, Will and Grace were picked up from the dustbin of... Uh, of history polished off as new and brought back to the masses. Very rarely does that work out as successfully as the topic that we are, are talking about today. Literally the greatest return ever. We are talking about Star Trek, the motion picture. Welcome everybody to the Be Kind Rewind. Welcome back, everybody, to the Be Kind Rewind. Uh, not unlike uh, a really action-packed hockey game, we are at full strength. I want to welcome everybody back. It's me, Joey. Uh, I am. would love to welcome back our podcast Padawan, Miss Krista Sutton. Nice to see you again. So good to be back. I missed you guys so much. I was having you too. Uh, there was a, a lack of energy and buoyancy in the into the show to the show, and we are glad to have you back. Boing, boing, boing. Uh, and uh, Mr. Brett, nice to see you again. Thank you. And our special guest tonight is somebody whom I don't think he realizes how much I love and respect this man. He is a, a very dynamic soul, and I am a better person knowing him uh he was featured in the 208 fest here in boise idaho as well as comedy fort and he hosts the sunbird sunbird karyocalypse i had the privilege of working on clue uh stage production uh, last year uh welcome to the show mr chris sunbird hi sunbird hi <laughs> i adore I, you too i could year. not over i could not oversell that more <laughs> because i'm just so happy to have you so uh welcome Thank, uh, thank you. Uh, this was... I'm really glad we did this because I, growing up, I was always the Trekkie fan. Mm -hmm. I, 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 Star Wars was okay. I liked it. But uh, being born in 80, by the time I was old enough to get into pop culture things, Star Wars was over. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Return of the Jedi was years... It was years after that. The Phantom Menace was years to come. So... Growing up, uh, enjoying pop culture things in the late 80s, this is what I gravitate, gravitated to, and I loved it. So uh, when you suggested doing Star, Star Trek, the motion picture, mm -hmm. I was ecstatic. So um, thank you. So let's, uh, let's get right into Star Trek, the motion picture. What, uh, what was it about this film that made you want to talk about it and be kind about it? Well, it is treated very unfairly. Like every, every time I've seen it reviewed by... Even my favorite YouTubers, uh, it's it's boring. It's it, it was trying mm -hmm. too hard to be two thousand one, and yeah. I, in my view, those criticisms are illegitimate. Uh, just fucking strap in and enjoy the story. <laughs> that's <laughs> that. That's actually a very that's a perfect uh, analogy for this. They it, they did um, try very very hard to emulate 2001 and that was still like 11 years after that was uh the the 
2001 came out, which I didn't realize that 2001 was 1968. It was just so ahead of its time and its uh, in its scope and with its uh, effects and things like that. So 68, it was really surprising to me that it was that Although late. The, the, the emulation, well, actually, is there, do you have like a source, did uh, people involved in the production actually say that they were trying to emulate? I did not read that uh, doing my research from this. Mm -hmm. um, I think just on the surface, it, it's very like that because Star Trek, the, the motion picture is a very breezy film. I, I can't think of a better, I can't think of a different adjective to describe it. Like it's very, there's, they never once shoot a phaser. Um, it's, it's just a matter of, hey, we, we've got a problem and our ship doesn't work right yet, but let's just go see what we can do. Yeah. Um, there's uh, not even a lot of like world building uh and, and i want to i want to talk about that in just a little bit but um well there's a bit of there's a bit of world building in the kurinar yeah which was which was fantastic i really enjoyed that mm -hmm. um you, you would think that a, a getting back to i mean because this was the first time this cast since the since 60 1969 when they went off the air i mean this was their big return and they weren't you know, it was surprising we weren't able to get the full cast back, mm -hmm. um, including uh, uh, Major Barrett and, uh, yeah, uh, Yeoman Rand and Nurse Chapel. Mm -hmm. I, so, forgot, I forgot his Nurse Chapel. I forget his... Uh, well, she's Dr. Chapel. But was, was she Gene Roddenberry's wife who mm -hmm. was... Okay. Yeah, Majel Barrett was, yeah. And so instead of this big this this big reunion it's just like yeah we, we've got a problem and i mean it starts with scotty complaining that the ship's not ready and length <laughs> talking about how yeah. it's not ready it's not ready even Stop after it. yeah even after he tells him well i don't give a crap we're leaving in 12 hours he still continues to complain yeah. about it i really wanted to punch captain kirk in the face for the first like 45 minutes of this movie <laughs> he does come he, off as he, a jerk in the straight story. up he takes over will's position just because mm -hmm. just to be a dick yeah. well, because of my experience shut up <laughs> you don't know anything about this ship and it shows <laughs> yeah he gets lost briefly oh my god yeah. and then later on he whatever get out <laughs> get out that's that's his lady yep uh you can Not you can pass two and a half years <laughs> you... as will says later yeah no, that's his lady. <laughs> <laughs> you did mention earlier, and that was a really good observation because they did that on purpose. Uh, the instead of just beaming onto the ship, he takes the the travel pod from the uh, from where they're building the ship onto the onto the ship, mm -hmm. and so they could fly around and take a look at it. Yeah, it was it was definite. Uh, it was done on purpose to show. I, I'm sorry, can I swear on this podcast? Yes. All right. It yeah. was Kirk, so that Kirk could visually fuck his baby. <laughs> and the scene did very conspicuously end in insertion. That is... <laughs> uh, can I ask you guys a question really Please. quick? Huh? Uh, since you're both Trekkies, where does Star Trek The Motion Picture fall like in your rankings of the Star Wars or Star, <laughs> the Star Wars, the Star Trek films, like do you rank it highly? Is it like one I'm of your favorites? Like that too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it is my favorite. Sorry, guys. It is. Yeah. Uh, okay. Although, uh, I would say my. I would say though, uh, like to qualify that, basically, my 
it seems to me like my mind works on a different frequency. So when things are uh, slow in this way, they're like they build up the mood with the long sequences that aren't really full of things. Yeah, uh, that I, I resonate with that, and it seems like not a lot of people do. Okay, that's 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 cool and interesting. I was wondering because I know like Wrath of Khan is kind of like the. Uh, like the high wa- considered like the high water mark yeah. of the series, right? Yeah. Like that's most people's mm-hmm. favorite, right? Although, although uh, to my view, that's, uh, I mean, the old series. That's your least favorite one. <laughs> no, no, no. No, <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. no, I love, I love that. I love that too. I just don't think that it was a substantive. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, emotionally, perhaps, but uh, it, for sci-fi, it was more character substantive, whereas the first one is... Uh, more uh, philosophical yeah thought idea philosophical contemplative it's, mm-hmm. it's like the the perfect old series episode it's not even it's not unlike encounter at farpoint mm-hmm. with um the next generation or even uh the first episode of voyager where it's a big intelligent creature that just needs to be understood yeah i, I could be wrong in that but that that was my big takeaway that it was very uh caretaker that's 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 what he was in voyager like that that was my big takeaway that it was very much a lot like the next generations and it did it, it, it opening re- uh, i think what really i think what really captivated me about it was uh they did a really good job of uh raising or raising the stakes to that level that keeps you on pins and needles essentially for lack of a better term and uh they didn't reveal anything until the last yeah segment they gave you a very heavy mystery that they didn't let on much about yeah little yeah the big reveal was was great Mm -hmm. um to answer your question brett uh i i wouldn't say that it was my least favorite but it's definitely not one that i would just put on and watch oh gotcha um i enjoyed it more now than Mm -hmm. i did when i was younger uh it was yeah i was i always subscribe to the uh the rule of evens Mm -hmm. with star trek which if you're not familiar with the even numbered movies are considered better so the motion picture is, you know, thumbs down. Mm-hmm. Wrath of Khan, great. Uh, Search for Spock, terrible. Voyage Home, great. Uh, the undis- Nope, the fourth one was the one where they find God. The Final Frontier was down, and then the Undiscovered Country is up there. So, yeah, to me, it, it wasn't one that I would I watched a lot. Um, now, I dissected the crap out of these movies. I, I loved them Um all I, I I stayed home from school when Generations came out, um, and I really liked the new ones. And I'm I'm in in fact one of my favorites in this series is the was the last one the uh, the of the original Insurrection, in uh, Nemesis. Oh right, Nemesis. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Ins- Insurrection. I think was the nah, not <laughs> <laughs> if I had to pick one that wasn't the best, uh, that was. A definitely just a rehashed ep- episode script, I, I think. Uh, Nemesis, I think, took it, took it. It was just way different. There was things in there that you had never seen before. Tom um, Hardy. Tom Hardy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and I and I liked it. Um, and I, I love the fact that they took that that concept of the even ones being better. And then if you look at the new ones, the the Kelvin timeline, mm-hmm. it's reversed. 
the odd ones I think were better. The first one and the third one I thought it was great. Yeah. And Into Darkness was just uh, unnecessary. Whack. <laughs> on whack. Yeah. Can, can I ask Chris a question really quick? Do you have any familiar familiarity with Star Trek? Yeah, at I watched all? I watched the series with my dad when I was growing up. The original one. The original. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, cool. cool. Yeah. And nice. the, well, is wait, what do we call original? That with Kirk I was born and Spock. So. Well, the Kirk and Spock. Yeah. Is the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Which a lot of Star Trek friends that have come into it now, they they disregard that a lot. Um, the Next well, Generation and DS9 and things like it is unfortunate. Well, it, but it's, it is a very different feel. Yeah, it's definitely a different. Um, but they had to have a jumping off point somewhere. That's true. Yeah. Know your roots, guys. <laughs> well, and that's yeah. what, and that's what makes this one so interesting because you know here we are. This was absolutely fan driven. Like they 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 gave it up. The most of the pro, uh, the sets back then were, were were thrown away or just put in storage. It was the fans that kind of took it and fell in love with it and built it up more and more and more to oh, yeah. where it was a, a big it was considered a big enough property to bring it back in the late 70s which was definitely riding a, a high as far as that genre of movies uh we mentioned 2001 uh, but also two years before this you had a uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and then a little movie called Star Wars. Never heard of it. <laughs> I, don't I don't know what you're talking about. I, heard, I, had, I had heard an anecdote. Uh, I can't remember who it was who said it. I think he was involved in the production and or the producing side of it, and there was a, a more executive producer who saw Star Wars, and he turned to this guy, and he said, don't we have something like that? <laughs> Star something. Yeah. <laughs> don't we have yeah. something like that? Yeah, but... Bring bring that back. Bring, just bring bring that back. That is that sounds exactly like how it probably went down. <laughs> totally, um, and that's so. That's what leads me to how odd this movie is because y- you would think that it would be this huge. Uh, it's not. It doesn't. It, it you called it out perfectly, Chris. So that it does start kind of off putting. Um, I was where, so irritated with him. Yeah, so it's, it starts off with with Kirk just flexing his his muscle and he like, was, nope, I want he my ship like, back. He was and... like the the epitome of entitled white dude. He, he was pretty douchey. <laughs> really irritated yeah. me. There, Poor yeah, Will's there's... just looking at him like you don't know this ship because of all of the upgrades. I everybody don't uh, be a douche. And he's like, that's why you're still gonna be on the ship. <laughs> yeah, because you know in your heart you don't know anything about this damn thing. That therefore you need Will. And yeah. so I ugh. think that uh, w- w- yeah, Ensign Crusher and uh, to a lesser degree Ensign Kim get shit on a lot. But I think w- Commander Captain Decker, I think is, uh, is the, the pretty <laughs> is pretty. Poor, he, I'm trying. What am I? What am I thinking about? Yeah, he's pretty shit upon. Yeah, a he lot. Is. <laughs> he's like whatever. And he's, and then and he's he just watching. Keeps... And then the worst part about it is he's watching everything happen, and he can't do anything because he's not listening to him. So Decker's <laughs> just sitting there watching. He finally just says like, "My job explode. is to give you options." Yeah. Like he's, and he's that's like, his... "I stand corrected." Yeah, you do. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey everybody, Brett here. The SD card that we were recording on got full at this point in the recording, so we had to stop and switch out cards, and so that's why that conversation got cut off so abruptly. Sorry about that, and let's get back to the show.
Welcome back. So we <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, the... we were we were talking about. Um, I don't know if we got picked up or not, but we were talking about um, the relationship between Leonard Nimoy and 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 William Shatner. And over the years, it was contentious. They didn't speak for a while, especially around this time. You know, Spock moved on, or Leonard Nimoy moved on from Spock. He even made a book called I'm Not Spock. (laughs) (laughs) He did. He wrote a book called I'm Not Spock. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's true. He he was not, it was, to him, it was just a character that he played and he, he got paid to do it and then was done. The fans, you know, after it was canceled, slowly picked it up in syndication and it just build and build and build to where they started doing uh, Star Trek conventions. And the crazy part to me is that they they named the shuttle the Enterprise. This is before this movie even came out. This was yeah. like two years before that. They, that's when they named that shuttle. It's like a letter the campaign Enterprise. or something. Yeah. And so most of the cast showed up there to see this. I mean, how, how crazy is that? And it was the it wasn't a production like it, it wasn't used in space. It was a test bed. It was for uh, seeing if it could land with the gliding. I think mm-hmm. the fact that they made that based yeah. off of an old show that yeah people knew what it was, but it wasn't anything that was a thing. Now they were working on bringing the show back as a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, Star Trek Phase Two. Oh right, I think I think that the script for the I, I think I might be wrong that, that the script for the movie was supposed to be the was script part for of the, correct. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and that's why it does kind of play off as episodic mm-hmm. and like a counter at Farpoint, where it's you're, you're there's just a lot of slow burn to the big reveal that would have played out just like that in a in an episode. And Spock was not on board for Star Trek paid. Uh, phase two um in fact the i want to say the the vulcan that he's briefly talking to at at starfleet was supposed to be the new not spock he had a different name it's like sonar or uh vox or something like that from what i I was reading i was watching the text uh the text commentary while i was watching the movie last Mm -hmm. night which ended up being not a good idea because then i couldn't concentrate on the movie either but um, he was supposed to be the new Spock character, mm-hmm. um, as so as so was uh, Alara as well. And they turned in. Then they turned him into melted cam. Or and then they, mel- melted hamburger off screen. Yeah. <laughs> and then they turned him to goo, which is very oof. Yeah. Oh wait, oh, wait, 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 we got we got Spock. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck this guy. Fuck him. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's not hard enough. Fuck him harder. <laughs> <laughs> fuck him harder. <laughs> Yeah, the, the 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 scene with the transporter accident is very, I, I would say unnecessary because they, I mean, they really drove home the point that the ship wasn't ready to to launch. But I don't know, just the, those screams of agony. Yeah, is especially transporter technology is something that had been around, established in, in their universe for a long time. Yeah, so I, I can't say they didn't. They uh, didn't. They didn't. Uh, they didn't sell the. It was out of place. Mm-hmm. Especially just moment, then moments later, 
uh, Bones comes back on the ship and he is rightfully pissed and yeah. <laughs> that he's getting beamed. Like, well, I just saw somebody just right. <laughs> turn to goo and die. That's also so out of place. They like they like give him side eye, like, oh, Bones. No. Exactly. No. <laughs> what just fucking like, happened? I feel like that's no, we, we got it for right reals. There. No, we totally know. It's, it's okay. We got it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> but, uh, so he... Bones is is freaking amazing, and he is the exact opposite of Spock, and I think that's why those three characters worked so well yeah, as a unit, because it was just, people talk like how Bones talks, they still talk that way now. Bones cracks me up. Yeah, he's hilarious when he's complaining about sickbay. It's like, yeah, I'm sure they changed <laughs> everything, you know, how, you know, what engineers do, they just like to change everything. Well, you know, working in, in a corporate environment that I do, Every new thing, a new process that happens, mm-hmm. the old timers just, and myself included, just bitch about it. Like, oh, this is this, sucks. <laughs> this is terrible. Um, that happens the, in every single yeah yeah every, <laughs> yeah they move the yeah they move the cash register at the restaurant and it's like oh fuck this yeah. <laughs> it's like gonna work. We want to move this bottle over here. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> Don't do it. So I loved that. The, probably the most realistic character out of everything. Every, a lot of people, uh, you know. Kirk is pretty pretty assy in this movie, and Bones is just like, oh, God, here we go again. This is bullshit. Which is, and, in, which is interesting uh, that you say that, given how, at least the, when he was introduced, his every gesture was very deliberate, it seemed like. Yes, that that is true. His lines were pretty stilted, I will say, that you can... Well, I meant his, I meant his uh, well, perhaps his lines with the, his physically, like a... When he said, uh, "Why is every th- or why is everything that we don't understand always called a thing?" A thing. Oh like yeah. His, his body, like the way thing? that he moved his head, and mm-hmm. was very deliberate. Yeah, I, I I did pick up on that, and he he did look like he was one of the few people that were uh, delivering lines, and maybe that's why. I don't know. I just really resonated with with him showing up, and he's got a beard. Like mm-hmm. he could, you could tell. Like yeah, he's moved on from what he's been doing too. They didn't really give much much uh, screen time or credence to uh, Sulu and Chekhov and Uhura at all. Mm-hmm. Um, those those relationships, I don't think, were really built until later on in the series of movies. Because you can really look at the series of movies as just a, instead of it was more or less just like another show. And I mean, it's a completely different thing. And, and that's what was really different too is how this is so much different from The Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. In tone, right. in like we were mentioned earlier, like that's very character driven. This is very philosophical and very the the themes are way bigger than the ones in the Wrath of Khan, who's just built just bent on on uh, revenge. Yeah, and, and it, this is more his, conse- like, his consequences catching up with him. Mm-hmm. Like, the way that they mm-hmm. like the way that the format just totally made it impossible to do in the original series. Yes, being, being so episodic. Uh huh. Yeah, oh, very. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you could totally tell that this was a television script, and Wrath of Khan is a film script. Uh, the two are very much. So, and, and just getting back to the lack of, uh, of I guess action in this, and and the things that they were, they did want to spend the money on. 
uh, $46 million in late 70s money is quite a bit. Ooh. Yeah, 46 that's million. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a lot of money to, to spend on this. I saw that before I saw what year it came out when mm-hmm. I was looking it up, and, I, and then I saw the year, and I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah, what? that's a, that's a ton of, of, of scratch. I mean, I don't think Star Wars was made for that, and I don't think anything else was. So they, they did have some, I mean, that's... Almost fifty million in late seventies money. I mean, that's that's well over a hundred million dollars, if not more, in today's money. Star Wars had a budget of eleven million dollars. Holy crap! Wow! Yeah. Yeah. Wow! Crazy! And made seven hundred and seventy-five. Well, million. yeah, made all the money. <laughs> yeah. and but into Dar- or the Star Trek: it, The Motion Picture made one hundred and thirty-nine million. Correct. And, yeah. Uh, Star Wars made so much money at the time that. Uh, Hollywood collectively stood up and said, wait, we can, we can make that much money? We can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, star, yeah before this, according, uh, science fiction movies were meh. According to this calculator, $49 million in 1979 would equi- equi- be equivalent to $181 million. Holy <laughs> crap. <Wow. laughs> the annual Almost inflation two, over this period was 3.33%. Almost $200 million. That's almost Avengers Endgame. Yeah, that's so... <laughs> wow. Yeah. And it was all spent on the V'ger model. Oh, 100%. <laughs> totally, totally. That and the new the new Enterprise, because that's what they were talking about in, in the text was how much money and time they put into the model of the ship because they wanted to put a lot more detail into it. That's why they took the slow turn around it to show that, yeah, they spent a lot of money on this eight-foot-long model. And the, the comparison between the design for the old series and the... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's much more sleek and appealing in my view, and the like the original series was very camp. Yes, uh, I definitely, I could definitely uh, agree with you there. That it's like definitely, a, it was that's it, a little more than half of Avengers Endgame. It was oh, okay. uh, three hundred fifty-six million. Oh. How, much, how, much, how much they made, or how much? No, it that cost was their budget. That was, was their 300 budget. Three hundred million. Three three hundred fifty-six million, and they they made two point seven billion. Yeah, 2.798 billion. Wow. That's in, yeah. Movies are uh, stupid. <laughs> God. Agree. The fact that we're sitting here talking about Star Trek, the motion picture, and not Endgame, which uh, I, I particularly did not care for. So we probably will have to hey, talk about what? it at some point. You've never seen it. Nope. Probably. Yeah, I didn't think so. But, but <laughs> funny enough, I've seen Black Panther, Wonder Woman, and Captain Marvel. I have not seen any well, yeah, of the, you've any seen of the, the good white ones. people. <laughs> I haven't seen any of the white you've people. You've seen ones. the good. Any I, of the white men. I would recommend Guardians of the Galaxy. That one's Oh, good. I've seen both of those. Okay. <laughs> but Your it's story's not like unraveling. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but there's oh. a green person in that one. There's a green person and a raccoon and a, and a gray person and a tree. <laughs> a gray person. Straight up white people, kind of. <laughs> well, white men, I should say. <laughs> Since this, Captain Marvel. And- you can totally tell there was, there's, I mean, there's technology and, uh, things in this film that this is the last the one and only time that they ever incorporate that they they move on from from it like the wrist communicators which if you really look close they're wearing apple watches in this book <laughs> they completely are like that's what they, they talk on their watches um, well, no, they it's on the, the yeah, underside of the wrist yeah i feel yeah. like i feel like apple modeled their watches well, how much Star Trek stuff. stuff in our uh, society it came directly from Star Trek? For pretty, real. Yeah, even little things. Well, like even the, their little badge looks like the Avenger, eh? Which one? The, the little, little badge, badge on the shirt. Yeah, the, sure. the, 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 
the little insignias on their yeah because yeah. those were new used for the movie and then changed completely differently for the second movie completely yeah. different um but again reused back to the next generation like yeah. one one of the top one of the top admirals has a has a daughter who is wants to so so be or a granddaughter that wants so to be a fashion designer and he just can't say no to her he just can't absolutely <laughs> absolutely these costumes these 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 uniforms do I, I will give them credit look like the most comfortable out of all of the ones they've ever done although i love the fact how they have a belt buckle but no belt yep <laughs> they just look like nice breezy uh sheet tunics and they look very comfortable uh the ones from the 60s you could tell are just gross velour mm-hmm. and then the ones from the next generation early seasons of that or you could tell are just gross polyester but these just look nice and comfy looks like everyone's wearing pajamas uh they're very very nice i like that footy pajamas no less because <laughs> the sh- boots are connected to the pants <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they always made a they always made a point to get Picard pulling his down. Yep, always he was always pulling his jacket down. Uh, it was funny when I used to go to the conventions uh, in the late '90s. That was the long the, the 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 ongoing joke. Every single convention, they made the same joke that they pointed out that when they switched over the costumes from earlier seasons to later seasons of the Next Generation, the last character to change his costume was Picard. Hmm. He always, he continued to wear an older style until he switched over to the jacket and stuff like that. And every time he's like, well, you know what they say about those French guys? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) What what do they say about those French guys? They don't shower. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that was, that was a joke back in the late nineties. So out of context now in in the late two thousands, it doesn't punch as much. I mean, when I, when I set up for uh, Cirque du Soleil at the Taco Bell Arena, I worked with people that were from all around the world, like England, Mm -hmm. Ireland, the French really hated all of us, understandably so. But yeah, they were, they did not smell great. (laughs) French people definitely did not smell great. The, um, I actually have, and this is going to, we're going to talk about something that's really nerdy. And very, uh, if you're into the Star Trek canon, I, people make the illusion later in a retcon that the 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 entities that V'ger ran into, or it goes Voyager Six, were the Borg. Mm-hmm. I've heard that theory. And then when that melded with Decker, that's what created the Borg as we know them as cybernetic beings. Mm-hmm. They've since f- erased that because Enter- the show Enterprise, the Borg were on that show needlessly. But so they, that timeline wise, that can't happen. But um, it, it's an interesting thing to think about. And it, it would make sense. And I'm really surprised that that's not the direction they went as a whole. Um you know, putting the Borg in Enterprise, you know, like I said, erases that. But I think that it it, it makes sense because you kind of want to know more about these robot or these machine entities that created V'ger mm-hmm. and then sent him back, sent it back to Earth. I'm really curious as to the more of that story, I think. And it does make sense that if you were going to look at it, so they create... Vijay Decker in the end of this film, and then a hundred years later in the Next Generation, is when the that's when the Borg were originally de- 
uh, brought in. And they were much different originally. I mean, much different than they became in Voyager, rather. Yeah, because in Voyager, they were uh, from the Delta Quadrant, which, again, wouldn't make sense either, because that's not enough time. 300, well, no, it could have been 300 years from, because they kind of established that V'ger, they kind of put it around the late late 1990s is when that, because it was Voyager 6, and we never launched a Voyager 6, so you can infer that it would have been, yeah. So you, you can infer that it was chronologically, it would have been around the late eighties, early nineties is when that would have gone. But in Star Trek world, the late nineties was the eugenics war. So mm-hmm. they wouldn't have had time to send think deep space probes. I think where it's not what they were, they, they were fighting Khan of all people. Right. And NASA was like a guerrilla organization launching probes from the underground. Totally. <laughs> well, you think you're going to launch a nuclear weapon? Well, no, it's a, nope. going to launch our probe. <laughs> Zephram Cochran comes out of nowhere. Can I have one of those, please? <laughs> Take that, you genetically perfect dictator. Yeah. <laughs> having, yeah. Having to work, having to work graveyard shifts now. I have to uh, on my days off. I have to stay up late. Uh, with the house when the house is quiet watching these movies and this is last night this was when I was watching this flick and that's when it was nice because I got a chance to just nerd out for a while the the nerdiness of me is saying you know what this this occurrence and the occurrence of of the wrath of Khan took place in two different timelines I guess is what I can say because it is okay the doctor will bring all the timelines together (laughs) true (laughs) Because the narratively speaking, the I mean, Spot cries in this movie mm-hmm. is not something that I think the Spock from the Wrath of Khan would have just smacked him. Like, what are you? You know, yeah. that's not <laughs> like no. <laughs> um, uh, the, the, the 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 relationships, the personalities are so different in this fl- film. Well, he is closer to uh, working so hard on. Achieving Kulinar, mm-hmm. he's much closer to that. Yeah, and then this uh, happens and realizes that he can do both. Yeah, he doesn't have to be. That's that's always that's always Spock's uh, uh, storyline. Oh, should I be human or should I be Vulcan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's discarding what Data wanted, <laughs> and I'm really bummed that they couldn't. When Spock was on the Next Generation, why they didn't explore that? But. You know, Data wanted what Spock was 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 discarding, but I, he, he, as far as I know, he didn't end up uh, he didn't end up discarding it. That's true, that's true. He was ended up embracing it, I suppose. Like he, he stopped acceptance of Kulinar first first of all for honesty's sake because he didn't feel like he had achieved it, and then uh, he was questioning whether or not he should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was him that questioned it, and 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 broke away from it so no I, I can't do this because it's not that's not really who I am and I don't feel like I've attained that yeah and uh, having encountered V'ger who is pure logic mm-hmm. he sees that and then he regards V'ger as a child mm-hmm. and that's why he says he weeps for V'ger because he sees himself so much in be, that yeah, I weep for V'ger as I would a brother mm-hmm. yep you know, uh, not not the brother that he has. He doesn't talk about. Yeah, <laughs> that, we, that we learn in the fifth movie. <laughs> but no, I, I I totally get it, and I'm actually now embarrassed about my uh, my connection to the Kelvin timeline because it was Don't so be. wrong. But um, 
Right. I weep. I weep for Viger as I would a brother, I a weep. dickish cult leader. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I can feel your pain. I can feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, little little things uh, in this, and I, Persis Gambata. Uh, I, I I thought that was a, a very unique. I really liked that character a lot, and I couldn't help but but notice that. Oh yeah. Yeah, Aaliyah and Deck are totally boned when he was stationed on her planet. Like, oh, hundred percent, especially considering she's like, my celibacy is is what what she said. My oath of celibacy is on record. That yeah, yeah. Get out. Girl. <laughs> well, when when they were gonna Duh. introduce that character in the show, it was gonna be the antithesis to Spock, who's 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 um, society disregards, you know, carnal pleasures and. Uh, is all logic driven, except when they're going through Ponfar. Ilea's thing was going to be the exact opposite. Is, is it was Ponf, going to be Ponfar like a. It's like it's like it's like it's like being in heat. Yeah, except it happens to Vulcan males, and it's much more violent. Yeah, Gross. and it's every. I don't want anything to do. With it that. happens to the. It didn't happen to Balana too, didn't it? Not Balana. Balana um, well, uh, was. Balana was caught up in it. Uh, they had like a a psychic bond. Because of Tuvok, that's, no, that's not, not not Tuvok. It was the younger. It was the younger Vulcan. He he came to her and said, uh, "Balana, I've present. I've I've compiled a list of reasons why we should bone because my Ponfar is coming up." And and she was like, "What, dude? I no." <laughs> Which does not that does not help you in the bar. I'm gonna go through Ponfar soon, so I think you need to come and bone me. <laughs> but uh, they got they got uh, yay women's are objects. Yay. <laughs> They got they got psychically uh, intertwined somehow, mm-hmm. and so she was experiencing it too. Okay. Yeah. Is the um, feud between Trekkies and Star Wars nerds a big thing? No, only, real? only, right only, now, only, no. only like the annoyingly hardcore. Yeah. Okay. Like, on each uh, side, yeah. <laughs> the ones, the ones that will spend a week or a Dissect, month, a yeah. month, like uh, making a video about uh, whether or not the Death Star would. Win a win in a fight against a board cube or oh, something like that. God. Yeah, a board cube would be a better fight than the Enterprise. And... We're not. No, Joey, we're not getting into this. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think that they're 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 two different sides of just a, a wonderful coin, and, and you, yeah, you could take great things from there. both of them. Like a, the 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 super fans, like they they avoid making movies for the super fans because they're impossible to, to please. please. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yep. Oh yes, that's 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 the the what we've come across with many times in this show is like you, no matter what is made, it's not going to be great, and you're, it's not going to be well liked by all the fans, no matter what. Like uh, my my nephew, my nephew uh, lives in my house, and uh, I was watching the uh, the Last Jedi, mm-hmm. and he saw it, and uh, he just had to interject the fact that he didn't like it. That's great. I'm watching it now. I'm not interested in your opinion. <laughs> I like it. You can shut the fuck up. <laughs> this show has taught me a lot of just, you know, enjoying these things as they are. And this was by far one of the biggest eye openings uh, that I had for this show to enjoy it for what it was. Because for the longest time, it wasn't my favorite, and I didn't really like it. And you could, and I was always like happy that they did a huge course correction mm-hmm. from the motion picture to the Wrath of Khan. And I don't 
think that it was done out of necessity. I just think that they just went in a different direction. This movie does, there's a lot of things in it that is really good. And I totally didn't see it when I growing up watching it. And I never sat and enjoyed this movie, but again, I was one that loved the voyage home and I loved the wrath of Khan and I really loved undiscovered country and to another lesser degree, uh, the final frontier I thought had some fun things in it too, but this one and part three were ones that I had a hard time with, but going back and enjoying it for what it is, I think it's, it's great. And I, and I think a really good fan. And I think that somebody that really likes this genre can find great things in both of them. And it doesn't have to be a war between the two. It really doesn't have to because it's very different. To me, Star Trek is the future that we would like to have. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Star Wars, the future we're going to have with with fascism and and just resistance and things like that. And finger lightning. (laughs) (laughs) I want a lightsaber for my birthday next year, guys. Yeah, take take away the magical element. We're going to have humans are way more clannish. Than, than trying to fight for the greater good like they do in Star Trek. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, you know, the ironic thing about uh, finger lightning is that was Darth Silius was just trying to learn to force tickle people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I cooked him. <laughs> Whoops, <laughs> Daisy. <laughs> oh, no, I've uh, shocked Mace Windu and I've melted my own face. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I goofed. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Whoopsie. Well, the... I think the difference would be, uh, well, the the movies starting with Khan were more of an adventure, correct, mm-hmm. and the way more cinematic than this one was. This was more of more a, cinematic. No, I thought, I thought well, I, in in a certain by, by in a, certain, a, yeah action packed than this one was. Okay, Again, I see this what you was mean. more of a like we said a more philosophical. Like, who am I? What what is my purpose? I mean, not art house, but closer to art house than the other correct. ones were. Correct. Uh, Bones hits it nail on the head right with his line with you know why is everything that we don't understand some sort of thing a thing it's called a thing a thing when yeah in Star Wars is it's just you know pew 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 uh, <laughs> but uh the the first the first one is or the the motion picture is more uh like almost trying to be hard sci-fi mm-hmm. in that it's a mystery to be solved and mm-hmm. then the rest are adventure more fun time to to yeah to get past you can totally tell that like we said that this one was definitely influenced by the slow burn of 2001 uh, of that you know that late 70s you know they were either think pieces or schlocky saturday morning cartoony type of science fiction stories yeah you can totally tell that that uh, that this was influenced by that and to a small degree a new hope because even a new hope is kind of a slow burn story if you really dissect it it's very we're we're on a place we need to get to another place to to do what we're trying to do and i could be wrong correct me if i am but to me it is a more slower pace and a smaller scale than what it becomes through jedi and uh empire and you can almost see uh, Empire and Jedi affecting how they went forward with Trek. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I could be way wrong, but the the adventure story was something that was 
what people were, were wanting more of, mm-hmm. even though 140 million they paid, I think more because it was Star Trek and not because it was a, uh, uh, the story that they were trying to tell. I would, I would be interested to know what it would have been like if they had gone, uh, the think piece direction, uh, and they had to moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And they had to like, uh, outdo this Mm -hmm. because, uh, I'm not sure how they would outdo this kind of revelation, like the, the revelation that they had at the end of this. I think that if they had gone forward, because, you know, they were going to do the phase two show and then that kind of like, whatever. And then they were thinking of doing, you know, made for TV movies, you know, again, you know, possibly. And somebody said, oh, no, here's $40 million here. And the, Yeah. And then there's, <laughs> yeah, here's all the money that the 70s have <laughs> to do this. <laughs> um, it would have been interesting to see. And it had it gone forward with a show or made made for TV movies. I'm sure that they probably would have done the same thing. It's just like with, you know, the early episodes of the next generation, you had these think piece episodes and you had, you know, the, 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 the schlocky, you know, uh, naked now, you know, people getting drunk and boning episodes. (laughs) So it it would have had that. I think that what worked for them was the action adventure stuff. And they just kind of went with that. And they also kind of narratively painted themselves in the corner by killing off Spock in the second one. Well, there's still a lot of money to be made, so how oh, are we yeah. going to do this? I, w- I wanted to bring that up when you were talking about uh, Shatner and uh, Nimoy, uh-huh. uh, their relationship. Uh, I think I had heard recently about uh, Shatner directed the one after, I forget which one he He started. did The Final Frontier, which makes perfect sense. Because William Shatner does have a god complex, mm-hmm. so he decides to make a movie <laughs> where the, he drives the Enterprise. He wanted to drive the Enterprise into hell and then into heaven. So, yeah, if you if you really think about the, complex. he does have a god complex <laughs> yeah. and big time. And so yeah, he did that one, and I think Nimoy did the search for Spock. Yeah, yeah. And, and the voyage home. And the yeah, and the voyage home. Yeah, they they. Uh... But didn't and, he? I think he had a, a clause that he got to have yeah, the that's, same that's thing. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. going to bring up. That was, uh, and Shatner was being a dick about it. Like, no, no, I'm go- I want to direct because he gets to direct. I want to direct. Mm. And <laughs> guys, they want it. <laughs> yeah. So he's entitled in real life yeah. too. Okay. Oh yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah, they, they, I was. Uh, I went to one of the conventions that uh, Shatner actually came, and I got to see him talk. And yeah, he he goes on and on and on about the the final frontier and, and what his vision for that was. And it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he did want to drive it into hell and drive the ship into heaven and, and totally meet God instead of just meeting an entity that thinks he's Shatner. I mean, God <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't really have fit at all. No, it really would not have fit into the mythos. And I'm really glad that they were able to step back from that. It's like, okay, this isn't God. This is just a, uh, uh, an entity that people have perceived is perceived as God over the years, because yeah, to, 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 to bring that concept into that world, just, I don't think would have fit. I mean, that would have been like bringing God into the star Wars. Yeah. Like, well then how does this work with the force then? Like, what are we talking <laughs> about? 
Um, or would, it would have been like uh, bringing force atheists into <laughs> Star Trek. Well, it's pretty much Solo was. <laughs> or, yeah. On Solo was. Like, I don't believe in all that, even though he could see it. Oh, no. Being <laughs> in front of him. Ah, whatever. Well, I mean, in like, uh, you can't deny the force because it's obvious. Yeah. Just like if you go to meet God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, didn't under, underst- I never understood this, and this happens quite often in this sh- series. Enterprise is always the one that's near Earth. Yeah. And Earth has zero planetary defenses. It's never been able to protect itself. And it's always relied on starships, usually around one or two that happen to be in the area, and that is it. Yeah, there's very little planetary defenses. Although they, they, on they Earth. did, they did mention that uh, the defenses were disabled by Viger. Yeah, so but they had they had them, but they were de- disabled. Yeah, so uh, it just, I mean, you, you see that in in even in the fourth one you know, with the have, with the probe. Uh, they should have they should have like a. a great big weapon platforms you would think they would have something unless that was I guess they just how they them. wanted to posture themselves to other races like you know we're we're, we're explorers and we just you know we're here but that, that would be consistent though but yeah some sort of planetary defenses like i don't think you can get close to the klingon home world without them just blowing you out of the sky mm-hmm. and in star trek you just drive right on up to <laughs> earth's front door in earth's front door welcome yeah. to earth exactly <laughs> earth, earth. <laughs> that is one of my favorite scenes ever is in the fourth one when they fly that klingon bird of prey underneath the the golden gate bridge it's so crazy i love it that was my brother's favorite. The fourth one <laughs> was the fourth one. Yeah, yeah. I I really liked it until I realized that they made it because they wanted to make one cheap, and so they did that. So they didn't have to. They used just reused a lot of the same space footage that they already had, and then they just filmed stuff around San Francisco. Although, yeah, there 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 is a departure in tone with the fourth one too. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's it's one of those standalone episode ep- movies as well. Like it doesn't fit a lot of the narrative between they just got Spock back and oh now we have to because that takes place like almost immediately although watch, watching watching Kirk uh, freaking out as Spock is mind melding with Gracie <laughs> the, yeah the whale <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I would definitely if you haven't seen it Chris, uh, the voyage home is freaking amazing uh, it's really cool well, and it even does have a, 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 the the fact that they are in the Klingon Bird of Prey in the fourth one because they blow up the Enterprise in the first one. Mm-hmm. Or not in the, first, in the third one. The so second, it does have a, a three-movie arc. Oh, it was the third one. Wasn't yeah, it? they blow it up at the end of the second. No, uh, I, was, the I, was think, I was thinking of the Reliant. The Reliant, yeah. <laughs> By the way, just for reference, uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, had a budget of $11 million. What? Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. And uh, that's uh, that's 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 a fun thing about Khan too. Like, dude, you're quoting Moby Dick. How do you not get that revenge is a stupid idea? Yeah. Yeah. If you're that well read. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> how did you? How did you get it's that out of that thing. book? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this Ahab guy is on to something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did hate the fact that they had to shoehorn that theme into uh, first contact with with Picard. At no point does that part of his his mo up until that point that now he has a vendetta against the Borg that he didn't really have going out of this sh- this show out of the series. 
that that I always thought was an interesting that they kind of shoehorned that theme into it specifically. I mean, they 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 call out the the uh, Moby Dick in that movie specifically. Alfie Woodard's like, yeah, Ahab has to go hunt his whale. I don't. know. It just seemed like there was an there was an interesting thought. It's like, well, well there's kind of a weird character that he didn't just, really have. I just accepted it, but then I just do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it makes sense in the story, and I get it, but it was still, it was just really interesting. Okay, so he must have been suffering from some sort of, like, delayed PSD, which is PSD, which happens, for sure. Of course, I'm, I'm glad that they did do that, because uh, they had, it was a compelling character arc. Mm-hmm. It was. It was just really interesting. Plus, I, I, plus I absolutely adored the quote that Picard did. Which one? The uh, and he piled upon the great hump or the the hump of the great whale, uh, some of all the frustrations held by his entire race. Uh, if his heart or if his chest had been a cannon, he'd have shot his heart upon it. Wow. Okay, I stand corrected. That was actually a really good theme. <laughs> <laughs> First contact. That. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think we. You've mentioned yet that this movie was directed directed by Robert Wise. Yeah, which is I didn't know that, and that's that's nuts to me because Robert Wise did like The Sound of Music, uh-huh. uh huh, West Side Story, like musicals. I, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, and he did other stuff too, like he did the Andromeda Strain as mm-hmm. well. But like, that's just so that's so weird that he did the, a Star Trek movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's uh, very operatic. It's more operatic yeah. than what they say Star Wars is like a space opera. No, it's not compared uh, to this. <laughs> this is a space opera. Yeah, and I did, I did, I did want to mention uh, the like the the comparison with two thousand one. Perhaps like there's, uh, like it, it has a visual similarity, but uh, any any technique used was used for different reasons. The mm-hmm. like uh, in Space Odyssey, they had. Kubrick used the long panning shots mm-hmm. to uh, bring home the feeling of mundanity. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the future. This is where people work. Yeah. Uh, it's boring. It's just... It's oh, not as awe-inspiring. Oh, we're flying into space. It's going to take three hours to get this. Oh, all right, fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to them, it would it would just be like a long car ride. Crap. Yeah, but the, but the, uh, the long... The long hanging sequences in Star Trek, the motion picture, are to build tension and to uh, leave your mind wandering and to search the visuals for meaning where there Mm -hmm. is none. And just in... I mean, there's there's plenty there. There's plenty of candy for your eyes to chew on. Mm -hmm. No, that that makes perfect sense. It totally does, because you're right. That is mundane in 2001, but in this... They, they, there is a sense of wonder. I mean, if you look when they're going through into V'ger, there's a crowd on the bridge. If you mm-hmm. notice, there's more people there than there usually is. People have come up to see what's going on. Oh, yeah, and the, they the, are bridge, actually... the bridge has the big screen. We, could, we don't have yeah, to look Yeah, we don't have to look through the um, 10 forward or whatever it was called. Um, so they did a good job with that. I, I, that's, that's probably my, the criticism that bugs me the most. And I hear it so often, like, something happened. Mm-hmm. Screw you. They're telling the story really well. Mm-hmm. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is, this is is a technique, and they're using it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I absolutely agree. And, and this is one of those movies where I, I've crossed over to the point where I, I really do like this movie. And I do like it for those reasons, mm-hmm. that it is... 
yeah, it's not an adventure story. It's, it is a lot more of a think piece. That's what I think makes it brilliant. And you can almost cons- uh, equivocate this to the cast itself. You know, the big, you know, who are we? You know, why are we here? You know, you, you've assembled these people that moved on with their lives. Even, like, you can put that on on Leonard Nimoy. Like, you know, he moved on with his life. And now he's questioning, who am I? Why am I here? Now I have, you know, playing this role again that will be synonymous with me. It's, it's almost like he knew that it's, it's going to be synonymous. Because then he wrote this, but I'm not Spock. And then later in life, he wrote a book called I Am Spock. Hmm. And... Flip-flopping. He did flip. (laughs) Ah, flip-flopper. How dare him have a new perspective. (laughs) Yeah, side note with flip-flopping. I think this is awful. No, come on. I think there there must be like a, we're, I think we're uh, overly schooled as movie viewers, as a culture, because uh, if you, if, like if you remove the whole idea of movies from our culture and you introduce the idea of the probe mm-hmm. being found by a unbelievably more technologically advanced society mm-hmm. and uh, making it possible for it to complete that open-ended mm-hmm. question, which is like a, in S- Star Trek, the purpose of humanity to find, to explore... Mm-hmm to grow uh and then it comes back to earth that is an amazing thing that is and it doesn't get credit do you feel like that is illustrated in this movie more than other star trek movies yeah and it's 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 difficult to remember how that felt from the first time i saw it but i can at least uh step back and say no that is a really Hmm. Good idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no I, 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 I fully agree. And I think that the the two, the stories are parallel. You know, V'ger's, what V'ger is, his quest, you know, its quest, its mission is the same. And how we embrace that mission. Like, who are we? What are we here for? And then to bring that knowledge back is a way more human story and more relatable to just about anybody if they could see that. And that's probably what happened. No one really saw that at the time. They just saw, oh, this is just really boring people looking at a, 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 a graphic on a screen for an hour, for 45 minutes. Workaday world infecting your heart. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and that, that, it, reflects in my real life like i listen to politics and the pettiness of having to argue against someone saying that what's obviously happening isn't happening mm-hmm. and then i go and i see like a uh, new horizons just went past uh one of the objects in the kuiper belt that we've never seen before and unbelievable distances unbelievably alien conditions mm-hmm. uh i forget what the name of the probe that had to dive into saturn because uh-huh. they didn't cassini? want to was it cassini? cassini yes it was cassini uh the data that they got from saturn and those moons what we're discovering 
within our reach is so amazing to me. Mm -hmm. And then I'm watching what the rest of humanity is doing, and it's like... It makes me just want to stick my head in the sand. Yeah, we're yeah. arguing over with insulin should be cheaper or how much sure. insulin should cost. And we're Why? discovering amazing things just within our own reach that has never been obtainable before. How can you look up and not feel uh, just an ego-destroying wonder mm -hmm. and then still feel like you can work for power? Mm -hmm. I don't understand. And I, I think that's really indicative to where this series went because they asked those big questions. They, you know, you, you made, you know, they made you, if you were able to, to recognize that, to, to have those big conversations with yourself. And then the very next movie, they just go get revenge on Space Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's kind of where they went because it's very... Yeah, they're, we said they're more character, you know, you, they're just, it doesn't really have to ask the big questions as much. It doesn't challenge you as much as this one does. Mm -hmm. If you could see that through the 45 minutes of staring off into a cloud, it does make you want to ask those, those big questions and to see that parallel now. Oh, everybody on earth, you know, the, the people you see on TV and in politics and on social media they're living the wrath of Khan life and if you take a step back the motion picture life is way more awe-inspiring mm -hmm. and worth it yes you know a couple of months ago we were talking about the Flintstones <laughs> now here we are talking about this <laughs> <laughs> yeah I am glad and very thankful for the opportunity to revisit this and to see this story because it has you know, and you look at Decker, who was just shit upon the whole movie, and he didn't think twice about, you know Power. what, we need to have, you know, someone basically has to sacrifice themselves into a new consciousness. He said, yeah, I have no problems with that. He also wanted also, to be with his girl. Yeah, but <laughs> still, he even, mentioned, he even recognizes that it's mostly not her anymore, but just a little bit. As much it's, as you wanted the Enterprise, I want this. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, to his credit, he just think doesn't think twice about it, and and, and and just goes for it. You know, for his maybe selfish reasons, but maybe because you know he sees the greater potential for that. And I love how he changes the log from not from deceased to missing. Mm -hmm. That I thought was really poignant. And you know, you don't have to die; you're just missing. Mm -hmm. And that's really poignant. the The ending, as well as too, how you know a, a lot of these films, he they, he Shatner ends it really like he tries to be like second star to the right, straight on till mo till morning. Like it's always like a forced thing. But this, he's like, eh, what, what's our heading, Captain? It's out there somewhere. That that away. Oh, that away. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I didn't appreciate that before until it's like, oh, that away. I really want to watch Peter Pan now. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I, yeah, this movie moved up my, my, my personal li list of movies way, went way up there. Um, having been able to enjoy this as much as I did last night. 
So Chris, uh, it's getting to be about that time. I don't want to keep you any longer. Mm -hmm. Um, so you said that this was your favorite Star Trek film. Yeah. And in, sure. in so far, like, uh, that is kind of an artificial statement. I don't really have favorite. I don't really make favorites. Yeah. Uh, I love each individual thing for itself. It's, there's not really a comparison, but mm -hmm. yeah, this stands up tall. I always loved your, your take and your aspect, uh, of things. So I really, you, I had you at, uh, I've had you come over to my house a bunch of times watching wrestling and even in something as theatrical as that, you always took away some really deep thought provoking things about it. And I've always enjoyed that. So I really am thankful for you to be on the show. Highlight of WrestleMania. I forget which one, uh, Stardust had a neat ladder and what's his face fell off of a cage. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But there's, but there, there's artistry there and you were able to pick up on that right away. Mm -hmm. And I appreciated that for somebody that enjoys that genre. So, uh, Chris, uh, Sunderberg, anything coming your way in the future that you would like, uh, folks to know any big shows coming up? Any things? No. Although eventually I will, get better at not procrastinating when I put my videos together. I do have a video, uh, a YouTube channel. Oh, nice. That I'm trying to uh, create video projects that I can be proud of for. Uh, the, I'm working right now on a kind of, uh, not even sure what terms to use. I, I am emulating something like a, a German nihilism or like videos from like sur the surrealism uh, black and white, but pretentious. And <laughs> <laughs> but if you know going in what you're doing, it's okay. It's not pretentious if you know what you're making. Yeah. Uh, this was the perfect film to talk about with you, and I'm so grateful. And I look forward to your videos that you'll be making because you always have something to say. I will never forget the first time I had the privilege. I was there. Mm -hmm. uh, the first time. I think this was your first time ever doing uh, trying stand-up comedy, and I think I, I think I was there. I had the privilege of being there, and you sing you sang the "Win the Battle, Lose the War" song, mm -hmm. uh, and that has always stuck out to me. That you know you, you see a lot of people doing stand-up comedy, and it was just so original and so fantastic. And to get to know you better over the years has just been fantastic. So thank you so much for bringing your your perspective of this film for somebody that thought that they were they understood star trek and had a good grasp of it to bringing your perspective i think was awesome it's my unmitigated pleasure <laughs> <laughs> and, and i'm glad you picked this one because i don't know that we would have gotten to it i think that i probably would have done either like the final frontier or or nemesis because but so to do this was was a, a real treat. Um, any final thoughts or anything like that? The big question, which is never asked in any other, we're, we're not pushed like that. It, can you recommend anything else that's really pushed you? Um, I don't I hate to put you on the spot. I should have told you that I was going to ask you that question. Earlier. Well, there's uh, the black hole. I don't think it's a fair shake. Oh, it is. It Ooh. is a bit more. Uh, it is perhaps a little a little less substance in my in my view, but then it's Disney, so. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly, it's probably on Disney Plus then. And I don't think uh, 
the second Matrix film really gets, or it gets more flack than it deserves. Ooh, you just made Brett happy. <laughs> uh, agree. <laughs> those, those I'll admit those those two movies, the second one, for specifically the second one, I need to revisit because I never enjoyed them. I never sat and, and exposed myself to them beyond just seeing it for the that, first time. That chase on the the freeway is like one of the best action scenes of like the two thousands. Quite okay. In the early aughts. That was quite amazing. Yeah, it's great. It's amazing. It's rad. Thanks. <laughs> And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, Chris Sutton rejoining us uh, from a hiatus. Any final thoughts on Star Trek? Are you going to go back and see any of the newer no, any of the other ones? No, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just never going to do it. Uh, I, I mean, w- they're great. Don't get me wrong, but it's just something I'm probably if never... you want to if you want a shock to your system, go watch two. Well, it's just it's hard for it's hard for me to sit through movies as it is. And so I'm probably never going to do it. I would definitely. I, That's why I watch sitcoms. They're 20 to 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't even sit through that. Well, <laughs> uh, being somebody that took as much uh, human element out of Spider-Man 3 as you did, uh, do yourself a favor if you get a chance and check out The Wrath of well, Khan. I, I, that's why I have, to, I have to watch the movies multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> definitely check out The Wrath of Khan. All right. Uh, well, well, thank you, everybody. Uh uh, for joining us tonight uh greatly appreciate it uh we will be back next week with uh, a whole brand new episode oh by the way are you, are you going to start this episode with like five or ten minutes of just an orchestral role yes just <laughs> like in the movie the orchestral it's just uh which i thought first though i thought my 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 disc was repeating it was <laughs> but yeah it, it starts out with like five minutes of just traveling through space listening to an orchestra which in and itself i thought was awesome and i could have just done that it's like oh this is wonderful um we should just put five minutes of that then in front of this <laughs> uh you can check uh we will be uh our first live show is happening next month uh, i've mentioned before at krampus uh we'll be talking about uh i don't know if i told you or not so maybe i won't and so thank you so much for listening you guys uh we'll be back next week thank you so much for listening we love you and remember if you're gonna have a rewind you might as well be kind Bye.